Welcome to the Med Street Journal. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Med Street Journal podcast. I am your host as always, Rodney Hu, and today I'm joined by another very special guest, Mr. Cameron Carter. He is the Director of Strategy and Business Development over at DaVita, and I'm excited to kind of have him on, give him an opportunity to share his story, share what he's working on, and the impact he's hoping to create in the healthcare field. So with that being said, Cameron, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Rodney. Appreciate it. No problem. So why don't we just jump into it? I know you got a new role and new company. Um, give a quick background of who you are and kind of how you ended up where you're at today. Yeah. So uh, I use the term Odyssey. So uh, so grew up in Southern California, uh, grew up in Compton, California, Long Beach, uh, fell in love with research and academia um, while I was doing my undergrad at Colorado State. So did a lot of work in metabolic health, type 2 diabetes, healthcare disparities prior to them really having that term. But really looking at the intersection of race and ethnicity and healthcare outcomes and uh, did a lot of work um, in that space around different models. So rats to C. elegans to people to communities. Um, and then as I was working on my Ph.D. at the University of Michigan, I kind of had a real pull to the business side of healthcare, care um, and actually withdrew from my Ph.D. from Michigan and joined a company called Truman Health Analytics, which is on the data side and really kind of fell in love with value based care and really thinking through um, servicing individuals on the care outcomes as it relates to um, improving health overall. So worked there for a bit of time, worked at Evelyn Health um, after their IPO on their innovation team. And then I spent four years at uh, Bright Health, helping to build that company really on the side of uh, designing a health insurance focused company or health insurance company that really focused on value-based care. Um, enjoyed it, learned a lot. And then now I'm at DaVita, helping DaVita to transition to value-based care over time. Um, primarily working across all lines of businesses, so commercial, Medicare Advantage, and Medicaid. So taking all of my background and then applying it to a disease state, um, which kind of is a full circle because it's a metabolic disease state as I look at it. So I'm excited and just really kind of passionate about the value-based care landscape as it grows. Nice. So what really got you excited about DaVita? Like like you said, you're just taking all these different skills that you've been learning over the years and then a new opportunity um, presents itself in kind of what gave you that confidence to kind of pursue this new opportunity versus staying where you're at? Yeah, I learned a lot um, from the startup space. So Truven taught me a lot. Evelyn Health taught me a great deal. Bright was a tremendous learning experience. The one thing I felt that I was missing was working at a large company. Um, and I felt like I hadn't done that before. And I felt like that challenge hadn't been presented to me and DaVita allowed for that. Uh, subsequently, uh, I have a lot of friends who work at DaVita. They speak highly of the culture. So once we really learn about that culture as well and be a part of it, and I think at the core of it, you know, really when I think about what pulled me was the fact that as a person of color, um, kidney care and particularly, you know, end-stage renal disease um, adversely affects the black population much higher than any other racial group. And I want to be a part of that change. And I felt like more importantly, value-based care is a care coordination first, and then it's really a strategy after that. And having a lot of boots in the ground, which David already does, allows for that transition to happen effectively. And you know, as someone who has family members who have, you know, succumbed to uh, end-stage renal disease, it's something that really is a passion point for me as well. Um, so I think it allowed for all three of those things. So sort of like a mission um, as it relates to helping a community that I'm really tied to, um, helping to learn to be a better manager. And, and then at the same time, being able to just grow further in my value-based care experience um, at a place like DaVita. Awesome. Awesome. So taking that startup 
experience, but now bringing it over to a company that's already established, has bigger foundations. So it really just allows you to kind of hit the ground running with all of your ideas and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But for my end, I only knew know DaVita as like the dialysis center, something like that. But mm-hmm. um, from your position, obviously you're a little bit more in the trenches within the company, but like, what, what is it that you guys are working on? What are you, what are you guys doing? So DaVita is going through a really unique transition, which is a really exciting point. So I think a lot of folks see DaVita as sort of the dialysis center that may be in a strip mall near your house, but DaVita serves, you know, hundreds of thousands of patients. Um, DaVita also provides care in 12 different countries. Um, DaVita is one of the longest standing home dialysis providers uh, in America and now having done home dialysis for over 10 years. So when I think about where DaVita is going, it's something I'm really excited about to learn from that, uh, that legacy institutional knowledge, but also really being sensitive to the growth itself. Um, I think for me, it's really being exposed to international care, government care, technology advances as it comes to uh, care delivery, and really being in a position right now where I think about where kidney care is going in the next five to 10 years. It's an exciting time. So where DaVita kind of sits with that is really being a part of, you know, a large provider system, but really seeing itself as saying, hey, let's disrupt ourselves. Let's be a better version of ourselves next year in the next five to 10 years. And so being a part of that story, being a part of that opportunity really was an exciting opportunity altogether for me and my career. So where DaVita sees itself is saying, hey, we've we found success. We've been successful but we have to be a better version of ourselves moving forward. So let's start with, you know, pulling in unique talent, pulling in folks from different types of backgrounds and a diverse experience as far as the talent itself that's at DaVita. So all that to say, I mean, that's where DaVita is moving forward and that's where DaVita is going to be successful at. And, you know, I just excited to be just a, a small part of that contribution. So. Dang, that's interesting. So you, you pretty much just mentioned the self-improvement aspect of the company and as a company really, and just being able to realize that, hey, instead of just disrupt the whole market, let's start with ourselves first, let's figure out how we can continue to improve, bring mm-hmm. someone like you on. Um, but I want, want to talk more about like your role and responsibility. Like what is your day-to-day looking like? Uh, it's evolving. So I would say sort of at its core, it's really thinking about how do we relate to existing payers and payers are a variety of different folks. That may be private payers, It may also be state-based payers as well, and really seeing through that transition from, let's say, fee-for-service to value-based care, but starting internally. And it's really thinking through the system itself, thinking through the analytics, thinking through the care coordination, the boots on the ground, and saying, where do you want to be in five to 10 years, and let's work back from there. So instead of saying, okay, we have this fee-for-service relationship, let's just move it tomorrow to value-based care. That's not how it works. It has to be very intentional, has to be very specific, has to be very localized. And leveraging my background in the startup space and growing businesses and really being intentional about, I would say, low resource businesses. That's how I think about that internally at DaVita. So it's like a startup within the company. And I think more specifically to your question relates to like, what do I do is I take sort of this white canvas and paint and really think through how do we want to work on the west side of the country versus the south versus the east versus the north and really being able to leverage, like I said, my full self, not just my academic background not just my background in healthcare starts, but also as a black male and as an African-American to say, how do we ensure that we think about, you know, what are the needs for different racial populations, different ethnic groups, different disability groups, and being very mindful of the, the center of the person at the center of all this. And um, again, it's really just kind of painting a new future for DaVita. So my day-to-day is really creative at first, intentional second, 
Um, and I think at the same time, it's always about being consumer-centric or patient-centric, as we would say at DaVita. Nice. That's interesting. You mentioned a couple of things that stuck out to me. Like, not only are you taking your business and professional experience to kind of help you in this role, but you're also kind of relying on your personal experience, like you mentioned, being a black male and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Just being able to identify different factors in your life that can give you leverage, I guess, within this opportunity and, mm-hmm. and use that as a strength. But how do you go about identifying your weaknesses and how do you go about maybe finding other resources, whether it be teams or technology to kind of help build up that weakness so you can still be productive? So for me, when I think about that, um, when it comes to how to address my weaknesses or the weaknesses maybe of DaVita, I lean on others and I lean into others as well. And I'm very sensitive about being um, observant, asking really good questions, those internally at DaVita, but also my network. Um, And I think important for us is to be lifelong learners. So I think when it comes to our weaknesses, I think those are growth opportunities are not, I wouldn't even call them challenges either. It's saying, how do we get better at engaging patients who may not be, who may not be English first speakers, right? How do we make sure we have an environment that allows them to be comfortable as well as making sure we have care models that um, are localized in their needs and also making sure we have a staff that understands them and very empathetic. So I think as it relates to other challenges or maybe other opportunities that we may be we see as weaknesses for us, it's really just about being better learners over time and being very self-aware that we all have opportunities to be better. Um, we're definitely far from perfect. Um, us as a company are far from perfect. I'm far from perfect. But I think it's starting from that point and seeing ourselves be better, learning more, asking more questions and seeking to be, like I said, a better version of ourselves, whether it be tomorrow, five years or 10 years from now. Dang, that's awesome. And is there any moment so far within the company, like any obstacle that you've kind of encountered? And how did you kind of go about navigating that moment of adversity? Hmm. Adversity within the company, I would say the the one at the top of mind. So mind you, I've only been a debater for like two months, so there hasn't been a, a laundry list of adversity because I feel like that would be a, a red flag. But I think <laughs> the one thing um, is really on our hiring. You know, Davida's done an incredible job with investing in what we call diversity and belonging. So it's analogous to diversity inclusion. Uh, Davida's invested about $3 million into that effort. And as somebody who is of color, um, it's really being very sensitive and asking sort of who are we recruiting from? Who are we recruiting? Uh, why are we recruiting these individuals and being thoughtful and expanding out that pool to find talent and more importantly, to find undervalued talent. So when I think about an opportunity, whether it be adversity, it's really questioning, you know, how we think about you know, who we believe our top talent within this company and how we recruit otherwise. And that may be from graduate schools. Instead of saying, let's just focus on business schools, it's really thinking about, let's think about master's in management. Instead of thinking about folks who have a particular type of master's degree, thinking about folks who have other types of master's degrees, as well as some with different undergrad programs. So not just looking at um, certain rankings, but being very sensitive to the fact of schools like um, Xavier, which is one of the best pharmacy uh, producers in, in the country out of New Orleans. I'm thinking about University of uh, Maryland, Baltimore County and the work that they do. So being thoughtful on like historically black colleges, um, Hispanic serving institutions as well, um, and being very thoughtful on where we recruit from. So I think the adversity side is really just saying, how can we be better at this? Questioning, learning, leaning into it and applying it because um, we're only going to be as good as our talent and as well as our talent pipeline. So Mm, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, definitely. Diversity. So what would you say to 
like people to companies really who are going about the recruiting process and trying to branch out to like other demographics, not just the normal people who fit the mold and match specific characteristics. But like you said, being a black male is something that kind of that you identify with outside Mm -hmm. of the actual job role. And like, what sort of advice would you give to companies like that are looking to diversify? Um, I would say start by listening and understand that decoupling your comfort creates growth, right? What I mean by that is a lot of folks may lean into a conversation as sort of saying, I don't know, such that I can't learn. And I think of that, you know, that mindset and saying, you know, that's, uh, that's counterintuitive. You know, I think about it as being an African-American male in this country. I mean, I grew up, you know, in Compton, California. I tell people that all the time. And, you know, I'm always like, we don't have a hospital in the city, right? How can we be better as far as health outcomes if we don't have a particular function of the system? But that doesn't come unless you talk to someone who's been in that place. You're not going to Google that. You're not going to find that on Wikipedia. So you want to start by listening, being very self-aware that this is a learning opportunity for you as well. That comes from me as an African-American male, speaking to someone who may be an indigenous you know, woman, someone may be you know, a second or third generation immigrant from different countries. There's always opportunities to learn. And then second is really being self-aware that this is a space you're inviting yourself into, whether it be a historically black college, um, Hispanic serving institution as well. And these individuals have stories and it's up to you to learn from them, right? And that's an awesome opportunity should you allow for that. Um, I think important when it comes to companies who are trying to enter this space, enter with a place of empathy. Enter it from a place of, you know, understand that these individuals and these companies and, you know, these participants have an incredible amount of life experiences that are only going to make your company better, only going to help you be a CEO or, you know, a C-suite level individual and see things around the corner you may not otherwise know. Um, and I think, you know, right now, diversity and inclusion, or as we said, to be a diversity and belonging, are a burgeoning topic that I think once solved is only going to create a more effective work product. Mm-hmm. It's only going to make an incredible work experience. And I think when it comes to healthcare specifically, it's going to create better care delivery because what it does is, again, it helps for those individuals who may not otherwise be able to have access to high quality of care, will, and more importantly, will have a patient experience that is you know, significantly better than it has been over the past five, 10, 20 years. And I'm just excited about being a part of that and contributing to it. Dude, that's awesome. And so like on the flip side, like the employers, how they can go about listening and approaching their hiring, being able to diversify. What about people similar to you in your situation who Mm -hmm. are from a limited demographic where opportunity isn't as abundant (laughs) <laughs> like mm-hmm. sure, as say other demographics, what sort of advice can you give them as far as putting themselves out there, uh, making connections or, you know, just getting their voice heard? I would say the, sh- the short answer is um, leverage your network, um, leverage your network and leverage your network even more so. And really just ask questions within that network. I think for me, as someone who pivoted from academia to uh, the business side of healthcare. I did that. I was 25 years old. I wasn't really new to the space, um, but I really felt that I had an opportunity to grow. And I had to just ask questions like, am I seeing this correctly? Am I managing my expectations correctly? Um, is this going to happen as fast as somebody else? And it may not or it may you know, otherwise do. But I would say having a network of individuals who give you market truth and are very honest with you is super, it, you can't really pay for that. It's priceless. And then making sure you find not just mentorship, but just allyship. 
you know, for me, I'm, I'm someone who doesn't come from a strong medical background, but I have a lot of physicians in my network who help me understand like what it means to engage providers. I have individuals who are clinicians in other space, what it means to work with an occupational therapist. And I think it's important that you just kind of build on that. And I think what's in, you know, a, a tangible solution to do that is start with university, you know, go back, ask alumni association, join different groups um, on LinkedIn, join different groups on Reddit and just learn and listen and be a fly on the wall. You know, over time, you will, you definitely should join professional organizations and learn, but see it as being a lifelong learner from others, from those who do this every single day. And I think for individuals who may be historically uh, excluded from, you know, different parts of the, you know, I would say capitalistic system, whether it be healthcare or otherwise, times are changing. They may be a little slow for others or slow for me, but I think you can still find agency, still find community. But as my mom would say, closed mouths don't get fed. So you got to speak up, you got to speak out, you got to ask questions and engage. And if this is something you want to be a part of, I mean, let's be honest, like it's, it's available to you. And I think with the democratization of information, whether it be YouTube or Instagram or social media, you can learn a lot quicker than you could even 10 years ago, you know, be the change you want to see in yourself. And then you can be the change you want to see in the world. Dang. Another great answer, man. And I, I agree with a lot of points that you had shared. And I think it's powerful too, because the way that people are able to network and leverage their connections. Like, mm -hmm. like for example, we met through LinkedIn, like the way that you're able to yeah. communicate with people is like crazy nowadays. So whatever obstacles you had to come, whatever obstacles like past generations had to deal with, there's really not a lot of that today. So you can't use that as an excuse, especially like nowadays you got like Zoom and how we're being able to just talk. Um, but what sort of trends do you kind of see in the industry today that kind of stick out to you as far as like where the healthcare industry is going? Trends in the, the healthcare space. I think, I think one of the biggest trends that I'm seeing a lot that I would say I'm excited about is folks really questioning uh, the historical context, the historical design of our healthcare system. And really at the core of it, people are asking why. Right. And what I mean by that is why are there disparities? Why are certain communities unable to have access to certain primary care, specialty care than other communities? Why are certain places um, exposed to different environmental races that other places aren't? And I think, again, this goes back to the democratization of information. Folks are able to see the whole story. Um, I think about this in the context of, and let's say, you know, kidney care. You know, one of the things I'm very mindful of is, and I have this conversation with one of my really good friends about it, it's that. You know, when you look at chronic kidney disease, so stages one through four and five, just like, you know, disease as it relates to like your kidneys failing over time, it's pretty even across ethnic groups. But when you think about end-stage renal disease, African-Americans make up a third of all individuals on dialysis, but only make up 60% of the entire uh, U.S. population. That is a disparity. That is a full set disparity. So the question is why? Once you understand why, you can think about how you can do it. And then you can think about what are the right solutions to solve for that. And that's one disease state. And then you look at that when it comes to black maternity mortality, and there's a bunch of other different sort of like racial disparities when it comes to healthcare outcomes. But I think the one thing I'm excited about is people are really starting to ask the question, why are we here? How do we get here? And then I think when it comes to that, another sort of um, trend is just the application of value-based care, the application of care coordination, the field-based environment, localized in the right language at the right time to really improve upon the individual's health outcomes over time. 
that I'm excited about. And that I'm excited about because it's being applied to care, you know, chronically, chronically ill individuals otherwise may not get that type of care. It's done in a proactive manner such that individuals don't have to be at a higher risk or before they receive this care. And I say the third is really just the, the introduction of technology um, into the healthcare space. And when, and when I think about technology, it's less of just a mobile app but, and less of just like notifications. We're really saying, okay, how do we think about predictive analytics in this space? How do we think about really including um, the full self into this actual care model? Or into this data lake. So when you think about race, when we think about ethnicity, socioeconomic status, you know, beyond just like is there individuals, parents at a particular healthcare level, adding all that in there to create the right model to then do predictive analytics. I'm excited about that. I'm really pumped about where I see, you know, gaps in cares being closed, social care needs, um, folks thinking about the lower level as far as SES and how we can support those individuals as well, whether it be on Medicaid or the ACA. You know, because to be completely honest, that's who I was, right? When I think about where I grew up, I was that individual who looked around and said, why not me? Why don't I get the access to these things? But now with telemedicine, you can see the best provider in your area. Now with the advent of certain utilization metrics, you can say, okay, what are the right things I should be doing at, you know, a healthy level before I get to some type of, um, you know, adverse care outcome. So again, it's really, you know, folks asking why, um, how we got here is really important to me. Um, second, folks being very sensitive to the care coordination of value-based care. And then three, just the advent of technology and how it's applied into the to the industry is something I'm excited about. So all three of those those uh, those lanes. Damn. Yeah, for sure. Especially technology, man. Like it's crazy because the healthcare industry is so slow to adopt tech like new technology, obviously. Mm-hmm. But like you said, like technology is more than just getting notif- notifications and mm-hmm. alerts on your phone. Like the amount of technology that's being like innovated, especially in this era is crazy. Cause like you have access to like so much data that you could fall back on and then being able to take that data and like you said, analyze it and then make more smarter, educated decisions on whatever your goal is. I think that's powerful. hundred percent. hundred percent. So yeah, I mean, we're coming up towards the end, but one more question I got for you is what sort of advice would you give to other uh, health healthcare companies that are looking to make an impact in the healthcare industry, how to go about doing that? Hmm. What advice would I give? I would say sort of um, healthcare is local because all the systems at play within the U.S. ecosystem are local. They've started local. And what I mean by that is local banks, local schools, local infrastructure. So when you think about delivering care, it's important such that if you're a system you're a provider, if you're a payer, that you really take heed of how you actually engage, how you support, um, how you monitor, and how you deliver care at a local level. Because to do that is to be um, a tailwind to this industry. Um, As folks are changing, as consumerism and healthcare is changing, it's important to understand where your patients are coming from, where your members are at, and actually meeting them eye to eye. All right. And I think folks may use a term like you want to meet your patients where they are. Go there, sit down, like see what the environment looks like, you know, across the tracks. Like you owe it to yourself to be a better version of yourself. And it starts by you actually putting yourself in the actual shoes of individuals and the communities of your individuals you're serving and really taking an empathetic approach to it. Because guess what? It's only going to make you better. It's only going to make you better once you walk out of your ivory tower and actually put your foot in the ground and saying, what does Laredo, Texas look like? 
Like, what does Harlem look like? You know, what does, you know, the southeast of D.C. look like, Broward County look like, different parts of Park Hill and, you know, Colorado? Like, these are great things for you because I guarantee you it's going to make you better, right? A lot of the cities in America are segregated. You have to understand that. And you get to understand that because information is available to you. So when I think about folks who want to make an impact, it's very, it's very important that they understand the history of how we got here such that they can actually be, you know, an agent of change in the future, because to understand your past gives you a head start in the future. And that's our thing about healthcare. And powerful, man, powerful words. I like the way your mind thinks, man. I like the way you approach problems. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, we're coming up towards the end of the interview we covered a lot of high level topics um, relating to your story and healthcare industry in general. But I like to end each episode on a little lighter exercise with something I call the rapid fire round. Okay. So I'm just going to ask you a set of questions and you give me whatever answer you come up with. Sounds great. All right. Question number one What is your favorite book of all time? The Warmth of the Other Sun by Isabella Wilkinson. Interesting. Number two. Who is the most influential person in your life or career? Uh, my parents. I can't say somebody else. Otherwise, they'd be upset. <laughs> Shout out to the parental. <laughs> For sure. Um, number three, what is one goal you want to accomplish this year? I um, This year, um, I want to be a better, I want to be a better sibling. Uh, so I want to be more engaged with my, my sisters and things like that. That's something I have as far as my, um, New Year's resolution. So to be a better, to be a better sibling for sure. Hey, that's awesome. And then last but not least, what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20 year old self? 20 year old self. What was I doing at that time? Um, oh, uh, I can, this, yeah, this is a pretty pivotal time. So I would say to my 20 year old self, uh, trust in your gut. And it's going to actually work out. That's what I would tell myself. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Excellent piece of advice. Perfect way to kind of end today's episode. Cameron, just want to thank you again, man, just for jumping on, sharing a little bit about your story, some mm -hmm. insights into your journey and what you plan on doing at DaVita and uh, making an impact within the healthcare industry. Um, but before you go, where can people learn more about you? Where can they connect with you if they're interested? Yeah. So I'm, Pretty active on Twitter, but I would say my, my Twitter handle is cam.carter. So it's all one word, C-A-M-D-O-T-C-A-R-T-E-R. So I retweet a lot. I don't really tweet that much. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram with the exact same handle, cam.carter. Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn pretty regularly. I'm pretty responsive. So if you ever want to DM me, have questions or grab virtual coffee, please don't hesitate. Um, other than that, if you see me at a conference, tap me on the shoulder, say hi. So... Yeah. So Cam Doc Carter is sort of like the moniker for everything. If you need to find me. <laughs> awesome. I'll be sure to include those links in the resources section for the episode. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, that ends today's episode. Catch you guys on the next one. All right. Thanks, Rodney.